Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hey spooksters. (laughs) (laughs) jessica's super hungover i'm gonna tell on her (laughs) i am so hungover guys (laughs) it's fine the energy is like i you know when you're like trying to force that energy out and you're like i got it and then you're like no i don't got it i felt like it was okay to to mention that behind the scenes on a listener's episode because they're more laid back so you know it's fine Anyways, hello, welcome. If you are new here, normally we have our shit together. We say this all the time, so maybe we don't. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's fine. And today is the last Monday of the month. So, of course, as usual, we are telling your guys' stories. If you would like to submit a story to us, you can send it to threespoochgirls at gmail.com. They can be your paranormal stories. If you have anything like some kind of true crime happened in your life, we read those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fun times. But if you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. And we also have our Facebook group that you can come hang out with us. That's Three Spooked Girls Official. We have a great time over there. Lots of stuff happening in current time. Secret Satan is in full effect. Thank you again to Ashley and Kelly for organizing that for us. Super, super appreciate you. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to join our little shop, we have a Facebook group for that too. All of that good stuff is in the link tree. We do tarot readings, blind book dates, packages, and other boutique goodies if you guys want to check that out. And if you'd like to support the show, you can head to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls for as little as a dollar again, one bonus episode a month, five and up, they get video content, live streams are going to be kicking back up. And we also provide ad free episodes the day before published date here on the main feed. So that's exciting. But that's really all I have. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Jessica for our first story. Okie dokie. Our first story comes from Anonymous, so we don't know the individual sending this one in, but let's go. My mom has been privileged or burdened with both living executorship of one of her sisters while she was in the ICU, an executor of the state of two sisters, and now a brother-in-law. She is the foundation of the whole family. My mother has uncovered a few skeletons in our closet, which she has shared with me. 
the first one of her sisters passed away pretty young and very unexpectedly from a heart attack. No. Well, it turns out her sister was literally leaving her abusive husband to live with her daughter the very next day. Oh, that even got sadder. The husband told everyone it was a heart attack, but from, oh no, but from the witnesses who found her the next morning, apparently it looked to them more like an overdose. They think that the husband caused her to overdose on pain meds that she had from a recent surgery, but he rushed the cremation and no autopsy was done. So we'll never know. As far as I know, the only person who can pursue the investigation are the witnesses who found her, haven't alerted the police to the probability of her murder. Oh no, that's, yeah, that's not good. Java House cold brews all their coffee because it makes a better cup of coffee. Described by consumers as smooth and flavorful with no bitterness. If you don't know what cold brewing is, it's the process of slowly steeping roasted coffee grounds in chilled water for 12 to 24 hours. The cold water gently extracts flavor from the Java House beans for a reduced bitterness and ideal smoothness. Java House has lots of options for you spooksters, including pods, on tap, and bottled concentrate. All of these focus on ease and convenience. You can pour yourself a quick cup over ice or create cafe-style lattes from home with ease. Java House promotes creating delicious and affordable coffee from home. You can skip the coffee shop drive through lines and still get a craft cup of cold brew. I love cold brew so, so much. I'm one of those people who need a cold brew a day. And since I've substituted Java House into my life, it has been phenomenal. I love the on tap feature because I can just get up, go to my fridge, pour it into my cup, mix it with a little my little creamer, and it's totally amazing. I also love that I can take my pods to work and still make delicious tasting iced coffee without having to worry about taking up space in my mini fridge under my desk. The cold brew on tap fits comfortably in a fridge and serves delicious iced coffee on tap. A gallon of smooth cold brew and an easy access box. Available in medium and dark roast. For clarification, espresso roast is dark roast coffee, not the actual espresso. Brew pods, a perfect travel size companion. These little 1.3 ounce pods make a rich cup of coffee by adding 8 ounces of water. Sealed tightly to avoid bursting in your bag or backpack. Available in light, medium, dark, and decaf roasts. I will say I love these pods. They're so great. And I'm so excited. I have a trip, a work trip coming up in October, and I will definitely be bringing these, not just for me, but for my work crew. For our fellow caffeine-loving spooksters, head to javahouse.com and use code SPOOKEDGIRLS for 10% off. Please run. Please do this. It will change your life. Last night, my mom told me about another very scary skeleton she found. My cousin has always given my immediate family a very bad vibe. He was raised by my now-past aunt and uncle. They were his grandparents. He's currently at the estate with my mom and his younger brother clearing the house to sell. The other day, my mom was telling me how flabbergasted she has always been and how his mom and grandparents treated him. She compared him to the boy with the powers from the Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life, where everyone was afraid of the little boy that they just catered to his every whim. Some of his actions over the past week even brought me to suggest he's a possible sociopath, which I meant, but more lightly than I mean it now. For example, it's over 100 degrees where they are, and my mom put him in charge of feeding and watering the dogs. They didn't eat or drink for two days. My cousin would go out there for a few minutes and pretend to take care of them, but didn't. 
when it was discovered that the chore was obviously given to the younger brother. I chalked it up to him being unempathetic and lazy, but now I think it could be more of an intentional torture. Oh, no. Hmm. Last night, my mother discovered a disposition report from when the two brothers were in the foster care, were in foster care before the grandparents took them in. There were multiple recorded instances of him killing domestic animals, once burying a dog alive. Oh my God. At least one sincerely attempt to kill his brother. I have no idea why he hasn't been put into a mental care facility or why his brother was at least not separated from him. I'm scared for my mom while she's there dealing with the estate. I told her never to be alone with him and try to find a place where the younger brother is safe and living away from him. I don't know what it will take for him to be put in an institution, but I hope something happens before he hurts more animals or kills someone. Ooh, that was heavy. Yeah. All right. So my first story of the episode comes from Josh. Josh writes, Hi, Spooked Girls. First off, I've binged all the podcast episodes, and it has become my favorite thing to listen to while at work. I'm a mechanic, and you help distract me from the hard work. Anywho, I have a couple stories to share with you that you're more than welcome to share. Okay, so the first one he titled Saying Goodbye. When I was three years old, me, my mom, and dad lived with my mom's mother, who I called Baby Grandma. I ended up developing a tumor on my neck, and at that exact same time, my grandma was also developing a tumor on her neck. Even more coincidentally, we had our surgeries on the same exact day at the same time. Both were successful. A few months later, my grandma became very ill and developed breast cancer. I remember very vividly, remind you I was three, of my mom bringing me in to see her. I remember a very tall man dressed in black standing over her. When I asked my mom who the man was, she said, who was I talking about? Apparently, the only people in the room was my grandma, me, and my mom. That night, my grandma died, which I was not aware of. The next night, my mom being very distraught and sad and was doing laundry downstairs, I was sitting on the landing to the front door, which was a split landing, and playing with some Hot Wheel toys. I remember looking up and seeing my grandma. She was wearing a long white dress, her hair was down, and she looked happy and beautiful. I still remember to this day what she said to me. Don't be scared. Don't worry. I am okay now and not in pain. Just remember, you are my pride and joy and I love you, but I have to say goodbye. I said, I love you, baby grandma. Goodbye. And I waved goodbye. When I looked at my mom, her face was pale white. She ran past me up the stairs, but of course, my grandma wasn't there anymore. We ended up moving out of the house a few months later. When we were finishing up cleaning the carpets, we were sitting in the kitchen into the living room when all of a sudden fucking footprints started showing up across the carpet towards the fireplace mantle. When we looked up, there was a note to my mom that read, I love you. Please take care of your family. Signed, Mom. Remind you, that day there was seven people who witnessed this happen. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm going to read this other one he also sent because it includes aliens. And I don't even, I think in the whole time we've done listeners, we've had like one or two alien stories. It's true. So I'm excited. So yeah, if you have those stories too, send those too. Those are always scary. (laughs) All right. So his second one is titled Alien Isolation, My Most Terrifying Experience That I Swear on My Entire Being Happened. When I was 16, my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom and stepdad in Germany. Stepdad was military and my dad lived in Utah. Every summer, me, my younger brother and sister would go visit my dad. My dad lived in a very secluded town. The house was a single-story house with a basement. The house alone was very creepy. 
In the basement, when you walked down the stairs, you came into an open room. To the left was a door that opened to a cold storage slash laundry room. At the end of that was my dad's hunting and fishing room, where he had a fridge, gun safe, fishing poles, etc. Note, there was no actual door to the room. It was just a blanket that hung in the doorway and left a gap at the bottom, maybe about six inches. One night at 1am, I was sitting in my dad's room, listening to music and drawing. I had the fridge door open for light since there wasn't a ceiling light. Above the fridge was a small window. I was sitting at the table with my back to the fridge and window. This was in the middle of July, so it was a pretty warm night. All of a sudden, it became really cold. I thought it was the fridge. So, I closed the door a little bit, but enough to still let the light out. As I continued to draw, I all of a sudden felt a really heavy, big hand. Oh no! I read that wrong, but Jesus fuck really heavy big hands wrap around my shoulder and something get close to my face from behind me as it was looking over my shoulder to see what I was doing. As I write this, I get goosebumps and chills. I immediately dropped my headphones, turned around and opened the fridge door, which was only about a foot behind me. Of course, when I turned around, nothing was there. I immediately turned on a lamp and grabbed a flashlight. Then I noticed that the window was now open. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed the blanket we had for a door move. Then I thought it was my little brother just messing with me, so I called out to him to stop it. I heard him from the other room all the way across the laundry room ask me what I was talking about. Then I instantly knew something was wrong. I started walking over to the door when I noticed feet at the bottom of the door on the opposite side. The feet were very long, weirdly grayish white, and only four toes. Remind you, I'm in a room full of guns, bows, and knives. And yet I was petrified. For some unknown reason, I called for my brother again and he responded from a different room while I was staring at some weird feet. I moved towards the door and the feet moved back, but it didn't make any sound. When I opened the blanket door into a complete dark and black-filled room, I could see a silhouette of something that stopped me dead in my tracks. The ceiling we had was eight feet tall. This thing was so tall, it was crouching its neck standing in the corner. It had very long arms with four fingers, but I couldn't see its face. My body was instantly frozen. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I was literally paralyzed. After what seemed like forever, I was able to blink. I was able to move again, and I saw a flash within a red dot flew past me and back out the window into the hunting room. I was so terrified, I ran upstairs past my brother into my dad's room where he was asleep, grabbed his keys, and ran back downstairs. I then grabbed one of his guns and came back upstairs to his room and sat in a corner. My dad was wondering what the hell was going on. I tried to explain what I saw, but he didn't understand. I didn't fall asleep for two days, and when I finally did, I was in an area where I could see all the windows and doors. Skip two months later, back in Germany. Where I lived in Germany was next to a farmer's field. I would skateboard home from work, and I had to skate down a hill between a wheat field and a cornfield. The times I would come home would be about 10 p.m. When I got home, I saw something cross the road. Freaked out, I got home as fast as I could, and I went straight to my room. I put some music on and tried to forget about it. My bedroom window faced the farmer's field. It was roughly around 11 p.m. and my girlfriend at the time had come over. We were sitting there watching a movie when all of a sudden a tractor was driving behind our home. This was weird in itself since it was almost midnight and who farms at midnight? I don't know anything about farming, but that... No? A nocturnal one? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the tractor stopped directly behind my room's window, turns and drives directly out of the middle of the field. The tractor had a cab light on, but could not see into the cab of the tractor, which my girlfriend at the time pointed out. When it got to the middle of the field, a bright ball of light filled up the area and then disappeared. The light woke up my mom and stepdad, and they came in to ask if I saw or knew what it was. 
The next day, when I woke up to go to work, I looked out my window and there was no tracks or evidence of a tractor being there. Remind you, this was a cornfield with six-foot-tall corn stalks. There was no trace of the tractor. My girlfriend and my parents were witnesses to this as well. Ever since I was 16, I've been super vigilant about my surroundings and will never forget any of these events. I know what I had seen, physically felt, and feelings. I don't know what this was and I don't care. I'm not saying aliens are real or not, but what I experienced scared me for life. I'm sorry for how long this was, but I wanted to share my experiences. I have a few more to share, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I thoroughly enjoy your guys' podcasts and I've been watching the TikToks lately. I love your content and what you ladies do. Thank you for making my work days better. Stay spooky, Josh. I love it. Oh, there's a P.S. P.S. So I have some stories from when I was younger, when I was in the military myself from Afghanistan and South Korea. Just let me know if you would like to hear them. Yeah, we always want stories, man. Send them. Absolutely. Yes. All right, Jess. Okay. So the next story comes from Hannah. And I'm just going to (laughs) say, I feel this in my soul. Hi, Jess, Tara, and Kate. My name is Hannah, and I live in Missouri, where the headquarters of AG, for anyone who doesn't know what that stands for, go back and listen to our tarot thing, or I can just, I guess, tell you it stands for Assemblies of God. (laughs) (laughs) I live in Missouri, where the headquarters of AG is, and my mom works. Oh, your mom works there? Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. Okay. My hometown is Miller, but for the past 10 years, I've lived in Fulton. I grew up in the AG community, and my parents were very active in church. My dad has been a deacon on and off, and my parents were the head of the Sunday school. As I'm, like, reading this earlier, I was like, oh, my God, Hannah and I are the same person. (laughs) My parents were a head of Sunday school, and now my, my little sister is older and married with kids, and her and her husband are over the youth. I was the black sheep of the family. I'm gay and not involved in the church, listen to music, Christians, in quotation marks, aren't supposed to listen to. I smoke cigarettes and drink, not to mention I have tattoos. I mean, I get it. My Assembly of God family still asks me why I'm a heathen and adorn my body. Oh, Lord. My childhood was that what you would expect of having parents involved in church. My siblings and I practice JBQ, which stands for Junior Bible Quiz, which I understand because I also did. Uh, (laughs) i practiced jbq and when the time came and have trophies to prove it my sisters and i were involved in missionettes i too was involved in missionettes fun fact (laughs) i have literally been crowned every stage of missionettes so wow weird fucking flex i know but like (laughs) i was actually prim of the year twice (gasps) hair flip yeah which was an (laughs) they made a rule or they made an exception to the rule for me. Ooh, hair flip. Hair flip. Suck <laughs> at all the other girls in my missionette. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think any of them listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> and if you do, hey. <laughs> oh, and my brothers were in Royal Rangers. Uh, when Rags was on here, we were talking about this, like how we both wanted to be Royal Rangers because they literally did uh-huh. cool shit. They did like Pinewood Derbies, camp outs. They would like go. So they were like Boy Scouts. Yeah. But they'd go into the back of the church and like make s'mores. And we were like, today we're going to talk about how to interview to be a babysitter. This is how you're a perfect wife. Ew. Mm -hmm. And you're like 10. Cool. (laughs) At that point, we were like more like 12 or 13. Oh. Well. Or no, actually, at that point, we were like like 11. I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Oof. 
To this day, I can't stand garage sales because of all the times I've had to work them for church events. I grew up being taught that interracial marriage was wrong, but funny on my family because my brother and sister both married outside of their race. Definitely something that they had to get over. It's not explicitly taught, but like definitely some racist vibes in there for sure. Gross. My childhood church is, is still standing, but under a different name. And my dad's side went there when I was growing up. That was until there was a big fight or disagreement. Pretty sure it was... It had to deal with my uncle not being selected for pastor. Oh, yeah, that would <laughs> fuck up everything. <laughs> Either way, there was, a fa- there was a family there that we didn't get along with. It's oh, the we is in quotation goodness. marks. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hannah, girl, we, we the same. <laughs> Eventually, we left, and we've never been in the same church again. Youth pastor uncle went on to cheat on his wife and get divorced. Pastor uncle moved to Alabama and doesn't have a relationship with his eldest daughter, wasn't allowed to go to her wedding. Actually, the cops were threatened to be called if he showed up. All because she had premarital sex with a boy who smoked weed and he wasn't who they wanted for their little girl. Jokes on them because their youngest daughter got pregnant outside of marriage and their oldest is still married with no kids or 11 years now. As you might be able to tell, I'm not a fan of that uncle. (laughs) Story for another time. He sounds like a gem. <laughs> the church I grew up on is haunted with the abuse I endured. Anytime I go back there, when I visit my family, that's all I can see. For instance, I was dragged down the aisle when I was a kid by my dad, begging for my grandpa to help me. My dad took me into a side room and threw me against the wall with a tight grip on my shoulders. All I wanted to do was sit with my grandparents during the service. When I was told no, I asked why. They literally were just a few rows or pews behind us. I get it. Church people are irrational. You know? Mm-hmm. As a kid... Oh, this, this is part. Buckle in. <laughs> you have never grown up in a Pentecostal or an evangelical <laughs> church. This next part might shock you. Okay. You can learn today. Yeah. As a kid, when you see people falling over and shaking like they're having a seizure or something, is a bit traumatizing. They were being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what we were taught. And I would help cover the women's legs who were being filled with the spirit so that no one could see up their dresses. I just really want to take a moment for that like last moment, that last phrase, because that happened in my mm-hmm. church, too. And it was always interesting to me, like when when a man would be sitting there and all of a sudden it'd be like a few minutes, a woman would be laying on the ground and a man would be looking at her. And then all of a sudden he'd like shake his head and he'd get up and he'd get his suit coat or whatever and lay it across her legs. And I would, as a kid, I was like, what was that man thinking about? Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, Tara, he wasn't thinking about Jesus. No, 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 no. No, I know, but let me have the joke. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and I've spoken in tongues myself. However, it is nothing like falling on the floor and having a seizure. It's definitely its own experience. However, for a long time, my family and my religion had me thinking that I was wrong, being gay, and had me miserable. I finally had a chance to get out and moved three hours away with my mom's parents to what is now my home and where I met my fiance and her daughter. My mom would let me know that my family would refuse to be there for my wedding. My sister refused to be my maid of honor. I was hers. Mm. Okay, I've talked long enough, but I had to share I was raised in the AG. I'm currently back in therapy to help work through my traumas from my childhood. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this, and I love you all. Your spookster, Hannah. 
Hannah, I will be part of your support group if you need it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Okay, so my last story. Okay, so our last story for the episode comes from Casey, and Casey writes, Hey there, ladies. My name is Casey, and I live in a very rural part of Michigan. As a preface to my story, I think it's important to note that I've always been very sensitive to paranormal things and have become more sensitive as I have transitioned into being an adult. My childhood home is very haunted, with many instances of hearing and seeing things at night, things going missing and then being returned, and an incessant feeling of being watched at all times, especially in the basement and in my second floor bedroom. I could write a whole book on the experiences that I have had in this house and others. However, this one takes the cake by far. One additional thing that I think is important to add about myself is that I am the seventh granddaughter via the line of my maternal grandmother, whose ancestors, including multiple people, were involved in the Salem witch trials, including the infamous John Proctor. Ooh. Whether or not- <laughs> right? Whether or not this has anything to do with the story I'm about to tell you, I am unsure. However, I am convinced that this is a factor into my susceptibility to ghosts and monsters. In the summer of 2021, I began to hang out with two people from my job at a local small business. Sam, 21 male, and Alexandria, 20 female. We became very close very quickly and started hanging out almost every night after work. As most college kids do, we would hang out at someone's house, have a fire, drink, and or watch a movie, and enjoy each other's company. The beginning of the story happens a few days before. I had been getting ready for work one morning at around 8 a.m. and was using the first floor bathroom. I'd left the front door open and only had the screen door to protect me from the monsters outside. As I was doing my thing, I distinctly hear heavy boots walking up the front porch steps, stop, and then nothing more after that. My parents' house is located on 12 acres and is very far off the road. If someone were to have come up the steps, my two German shepherds would have either lost their minds or I would have been able to see them when I went to see if anyone was on the porch. I brushed this off as just another weird occurrence and jokingly told my coworkers once I got to work. A few days later, my friends and I were hanging out after work and I decided to have a bonfire in my parents' backyard. It was around 10 or 11 when we all began to hear something moving around in the woods very near us, just on the edge, which wasn't uncommon for our area as deer move through frequently. However, as we were sitting there, my friend Sam looked up and said, oh, it's a deer. I can see its eyes reflecting. We all shined our flashlights over to where he said it was and saw nothing. Only looking back on this the next day, I realized that the coals in the fire would not have been nearly enough to cause a reflection. I questioned him about it as well, and Sam told me that he could see both eyes at the same time and they were only a few inches apart, which to anyone who knows is not even close to the characteristics of a deer and aligns more closely with the anatomy of a predator species. Alas, we continue hanging out outside for a little while longer before I look up from the fire and saw a massive shadow standing behind the bird feeders my dad had put up near the tree line. I calmly told Sam and Alexandria that it was time to go inside and we all picked up our stuff and hastily went in. We sat inside for a few minutes, talking before Sam realized that he didn't have his phone. We all remembered seeing him put it in his pocket before heading inside, so we scoured the house looking for it before giving up and calling it. We heard no sound until I jokingly suggested that it was outside. We opened the sliding glass door to hear the ominous ringtone of Sam's phone chiming in the distance. He retrieved it from the arm of the chair where it should not have been placed and nearly ran back into the house. Once safe inside, I locked the door up and closed the curtains and naturally and naturally went, what the fuck was that? As we were reassuring each other that the phone had indeed been in Sam's pocket, a loud noise came from the glass door, causing all of us to look over frightened. 
The sound was a loud popping noise as if somebody took its entire weight and pressed against the glass, almost like he was trying to get in. I immediately had my witchy senses go into overdrive and beg Sam and Alexandria to not leave for the night, but they both told me they needed to go home. I had a very bad feeling about them going. However, I couldn't keep them hostage and I figured I would send them out with some protection instead. I took them over by the front door where I kept all my witchy stuff and began putting a few things together when Alexandria whispers to us, Do you guys hear that? Neither one of us heard anything and she refused to tell us what she heard. Once again, it wasn't until about a week later that she finally told me what she had heard. On the other side of the door, she had heard two people talking in hushed tones. One sounded like an older male, while the other sounded like a younger child. Both of them left shortly, and I was told that the next morning, as they were leaving, Sam looked in his rear mirror to check that Alexandria was behind him, and when he looked into the mirror, there was nothing but black. Not even his taillights could be seen. Additionally, the entire drive back to each of their apartments, they saw unreasonable amount of deer in the roads and fields, with one even standing on its hind legs, along with small vermin. As I went back to bed, I was laying with all the lights off attempting to fall asleep after the freaky occurrences when I heard someone walking heavily across the roof in front of my window and pressed on the glass similarly to how it had been done earlier. Once I fell asleep, none of them had any more issues for the rest of the night, and that was the end of that encounter. A few weeks later, Sam stayed the night at my house and slept on the couch downstairs while I slept upstairs. The next morning, he told me about this weird dream he had where there was a creature that was levitating in the front yard with a massive sinkhole around it and people were trying to get in through the doors and windows. He claims that this was as much as he could remember and that he couldn't even remember what the creature looked like. But based on the way he told the story, I have continued to believe that there is more to it, but he refuses to tell me. One of the most interesting parts from this saga also connects the dots to a few of the occurrences that night. First, for as long as I can remember, there's always been a presence of a large tall man that stands in the corner of my room nearest the window. Often he would watch me at night and sometimes I would be able to see his shadow standing there. I always felt that he was some form of protection spirit and never felt scared of his presence, only annoyed that he seemed to enjoy watching me change. Ew, pervy ghost. Mm. However, on this particular night, I could not feel his presence at all, and I found it odd as he had been very prevalent to this particular summer. I know that my complacency with the spirit might sound completely absurd. However, this is one of the tamest encounters I've had, and something tells me that he is okay. There's many more spinoffs that I could add to this story. However, for the sake of your guys' time, I will refrain from adding these stories. Well, hopefully you email them in to us, because I want to hear I hope that you guys enjoyed my story and trust me when I say that I could literally have an entire episode dedicated to weird experiences I have had just in the past year. Thank you for listening, Casey. I mean, yes, we will do that. <laughs> like faux show. All right, y'all. Well, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. I hope you enjoyed your fellow Spooksters spooky stories. If you have an encounter you would like to share with us again, you can send that over to three girls at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Toodles. <laughs> <laughs>